Are you ready for change? Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. You're listening to Mr. Change Agent Podcast with your host, Ron Ovid, pastor, counselor, recovery coach, author, and creator of Emotional Relearning and the president founder of Empower Ministry. So it's just been an exciting time talking about habits and addictions and how to break them and all the available resources out there on their websites and such. It's just been thrilling. And uh, when we left off last time, we're talking about uh, some of those reasons we stay in addiction, some of the common reasons that uh, people are in the addictions in the first place and talking about a lot of the lies we uh, believe and how we actually uh, start using substance instead of uh, the original uh, thing that it was supposed to cure we start now craving the uh, substance and that becomes the real addiction and and Ron's just been doing a super job of telling us about the brain and how it works and how some of the lies we believe have really hindered us so What's another liar fib that we tend to believe? We left off with, uh, hey, uh, this substance going to make me socially acceptable? Or, well, that's know. where we're at, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, what we were talking about before is that, you know, it comforts me, it gets me going, it relaxes me, uh, helps me with my problems. And, and these so, are lies we're talking well, about, yeah, right? Well, yeah, because uh, after a while, the, you know, number one, your addiction isn't helping you with your problem. Well, it gives me energy, so I'll get more done. No, you're reacting to the addiction itself. You'll be surprised how much you can get done if you got rid of the addiction. Right. You know, you'd be surprised. And so another one makes me socially acceptable. And I've heard this one a lot. You know, you got to understand, a lot of this stuff happens when we're young. I wish I had a nickel for every person that told me when they were like 10, 11, 12, you know, somewhere in there they had their first uh, drink or they had their first marijuana or their first drug. And they go, this is what they say, they go, I felt normal for the first time. And it's true. I mean, there's this part to where they felt unworthy, they felt broken, they felt whatever, and all of a sudden this chemical does something because what happens in our childhood in trauma a lot of times is that our brain is dysregulated and so our normal set points where our dopamine and neuro and uh, the serotonin levels and all these uh, neurotransmitters should be functioning right they're not always right and so what happens is that you got alcohol which comes alcohol is like the perfect I mean it, it affects all five of the neurotransmitters you know, five of them. And Wellbutrin, which is one of the only, you know, the drugs that are prescribed out there, they only affect three. Hmm. I mean, most affect one or maybe two. Alcohol affects all five. And so it's coming in, and it would be nice if it was just used once and set your brain, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it doesn't. It causes all kinds of problems. And so when people stop that, what do they do? They start picking up cigarette smoke. Why? Because nicotine affects three of your neurotransmitters. So the thing is, there's other ways to regulate the brain. There's other ways. And I have a whole menagerie uh, full of a treasure chest full of ways that we can affect. It's called neurostimulation, and, and we'll do a whole podcast on that. I have a whole training on how do we stimulate our brain, how do we get it back to where it should function. This is not the way. Addictions right. are not the way. And so, yes, it may at first, and why I digress there is because, yes, for that person that said it made me feel normal for the first time, 
they can all of a sudden go to a party and be Mr. Sociable. Yeah. And that's true. It gave them courage. How many times have I heard that? It gave me courage. And, of course, later they call it false courage or whatever. But here's the thing. There may have been peer pressure at one time and when you were less mature and not able to stand on your own. But this is now. And the question is, you know, what kind of friends are going to reject you because you decide you're going to be abstinent? You don't need to drink with them to be socially acceptable, or they're not your friends, right? A true friend would be happy for you. But here's the thing. They've done a lot of tests where they've done research by going out to bars and taking video. And what they've done is that they've set the bar up to where people are randomly and they choose people from the audience and without them knowing it, that this person's going to get non-alcoholic drinks and this person's going to get alcoholic drink, but they aren't going to know. Everyone's thinking they're getting alcohol. Hey, give me uh, my, you know, whatever it is, yeah. a choice. And they get it and they, there's no alcohol in it. And what they've done, and this has been repeated over and over and over again, uh, the recording showed something amazing. Those that receive non-alcoholic beverages, now that's without knowing it, were having just as good a time as, as when they were under the influence. They had learned how to be socially active and happy and did not need the substance to provide that form. Socialization is a learned behavior, and it's not produced by the substance. It may have at one time, when you were younger or whatever, got you going, but you've learned to be socially active now, and you don't need it anymore. It may have helped you at one time, but you don't need it, and you haven't needed it for a long time. You can do without it. In fact, good nutrition, exercise, sleep, some counseling perhaps, healthy relationships will be more effective and dependable at helping you with your social abilities than any substance. we got to start getting rid of some of these reasons. Another one, okay, but it helps me socially loosen up. Well, you have to decide whether you want a solution to this problem or not, right? Your addiction is not fixing anything. Yes, drugs and alcohol can impair the parts of the brain that make you feel anxious and at a higher dose can alleviate the fear circuit, but that's only temporary. There's a fine line that you can cross then where the impairment is creating a worse scenario, where inhibition is gone and there could be uncontrollable behavior and that can be very, very dangerous. Well, is it in a way masking symptoms? Uh, is it that type of a thing? Well, in some or, cases, it's masking. Yeah, sure. How many times, once you really get going, you don't even remember what you were doing? So, I mean, were you really socially active? I mean, were you really having a good time? I just thought you of, know. Of, of something, because you, you've been bringing up these little lies that are bringing. After you're in, if I understand you correctly, after you're with this drug of choice or whatever that originally, let's say pain, took the edge off your pain for mm -hmm. real. Mm -hmm. But when you stay on it too long, all of a sudden your brain's asking for the drug. It's nothing to do with the pain. It's saying, I need the drug, which in a way masks itself as pain. So in your brain, you're going, oh, I need that pain pill. And the pain pill gives you relief from the addiction. So right. you're still thinking it's working. Right. And now you think you need it all more than ever because you still have a pain and you're going to need it forever. And somewhere along the line, you slipped from the real pain mm -hmm. of your knee surgery or whatever. And that's painful. I know that. Mm -hmm. To the pain that your brain is throwing out because it's craving the drug. Is right. That? Exactly right. Yeah. There's a pain that comes with some of those, that kind of wow, withdrawal. What a vicious yeah. cycle. And, oh, yeah. And I think it's important that listeners listening to this then get hold of that concept. 
talk to their doctor and say, you know, I got to be honest with myself. This knee pain should have been gone a long time ago. Oh, that's so this, true. And yeah. you know, this knee pain should I should be running up the stairs and oh, I am running up the stairs. Then what's the pain you're dealing with? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Good and stuff. A lot of this is stress too. There's been cases uh, where you know a person had a whiplash, but it was a two mile an hour accident. Now, I'm not trying to minimize the pain even from a two-mile-an-hour oh, accident. Pain, okay, that pain that pain. Yeah. But this is five years later. Yeah. There's no physiological reason going on. And the trouble is is that a lot of this is masked again. It's stress. Yeah. Our stress and what happens, our brain reacts to stress and creates this in pain. And, and uh, here again, chronic pain. Now we've got 25% of our neurons firing instead of five. Wow. Uh, Dr. Makowitz, uh, Michael Makowitz, has done a great study on this. And in fact, the plasticity of the brain is uh, you know, a very interesting subject. And uh, they can find a lot of this in Norman Deutsch's book. That's D-O-I-D-G-E, his book called Brain's Way of Healing. It's phenomenal. Just, in fact, first chapters uh, about Makowitz and Dr. Golden. I know Dr. Golden. I've met her and we've talked and stuff like that. And a lot of my stuff I'm doing on my new book is based somewhat on their research and others. But I tell you what, uh, you want a good read. Norman Deutsch's book, The Brain's Way of Healing. Uh, talks a lot about this stuff, and it's it's just I- exciting stuff. So, anyways, it helps me socially loosen up, and we we talked about that one already. You know, here again is a fine line you cross to where the impairment is creating a worse scenario, and here again you set yourself up for trouble when tolerance and dependence become a reality. So, it there's no gain here. And here's the question to consider: Is the substance doing it, or the placebo effect? Remember the bar room experiments I talked about a minute ago? Mentioned, uh, you know, your socially acceptable is more in the relationships going on than a substance. Well, here's another one. Let's talk about this one. It relieves boredom. Boredom is the result of a high arousal that cannot find an outlet. It's combined with our, imbi- our inability to concentrate. The final piece, the boredom puzzle, is the lack of control over your situation. So you've got three things going on here in boredom. Uh, you know, you're high arousal and you're not relaxing, you know, and so relaxing will help, but you're not, and you can't find an outlet for it. Combined with the inability to concentrate, uh, which is a brain function we can work on, and then also the lack of control over your situation. All these things can cause this daydreaming scenario that you see as boredom. And it forms a painful agitation that itches to be relieved, and in comes our addiction. We escape through addiction, and our boredom seems to go away. But think about it. Your addiction really creates you for boredom, sets you up for it. It agitates you, high arousal, causes you to lose your concentration on anything else, because <laughs> you're focusing on, I got to have it, and it takes away your sense of control. I must have it. You are bored, but it's coming from the withdrawal. It doesn't solve the original boredom. It only takes care of the artificial one. Did you see what I'm saying here over and over again? These things are very deceiving for us. And if we can start to see through this, it will give us the courage to get off our addiction and find real solutions if there are some real needs. And I think what you're saying, too, is a lot of it starts with being honest. You Mm -hmm. know, do I have an addiction? And if if you've been doing something for a long time... 
It's an addiction. Yeah, well, here's the it's thing. If you know you need to stop and you can't, it's an addiction. It's an addiction. Okay. Hey, not judging here. Mm-mm. This isn't about judging. We all have things. I'm a workaholic I need to work on, right? We have things. Mm-hmm. And so it's it, let's, let's not let it rule us. Let's get on the other side of it. And so, you know, we're creatures of habits, and we build into our schedule the time to indulge. We're thinking early in the day about the time when things shut down and we can start using again. And that's when we got to catch mm-hmm. it because that scenario sets us up for boredom. Right. Boredoms are ticket in. And so I'm going to be bored. It's like the person that doesn't want to build his relationship with his wife, and so he sees someone else, and pretty soon, you know, mm-hmm. he's talking about that person all the time. You know, it's just it becomes it gets a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? Yeah, yeah. it gets complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The truth is, your addiction isn't relieving boredom; it's distracting you through what seems to be boredom. And if you stop the addiction, you'll be able to figure that one out. And finally, you know, it, it's the only time I can numb out relieving emotional pain. Well, who doesn't want to escape once in a while? I get that. That's, but that's what weekends are for and vacations are for. That's why we build them into our schedule, right? You know, addictions are much more frequent than that. In fact, it is in our addiction, we aren't escaping from the pressures of life. We're escaping from the dopamine flush. It's saying I have to have it now. You know, we're not really escaping from life. We're numbing ourselves, but we're not, we're not solving anything. This is a relentless pressure to giving in through our addiction and numbing our, ourselves out. And this starts at home. I mean, when you were crying, what did you get? Here, have some ice cream. Right. You know, when you, you know, comfort food is exactly that. It's comfort food because it was given to us when we felt we needed comfort. And, and so why don't we take other drugs and that in the same way, right? We do. The thing is, after the fact, we often feel uh, hopelessness and self-loathing, shame and guilt, and that causes us to want to numb out all over again. So It's a, it's a, yeah. a vicious cycle, isn't Exactly. It? And so then finally it makes me cool. Mm. Oh, I love that one. Mm. Makes me cool. And where's that come from? Billions of dollars worth of advertising. Sure, the Marlboro Man. Oh, my gosh. It's been modeled to us for years, man. Uh, Drinking, smoking, taking drugs and be cool. We have an image in our mind, but it's far from reality. You know, it becomes a state of mind. The truth is addiction is slavery and there's nothing cool about it. Who would think that it is cool that they would recommend it to their children? True, as a teenager, when we started, it may have been, in a cultural sense, cool. But, you know, get over it. It's not mm-hmm. cool anymore. No, not you when know. it's destroying you lives. Know, you know, I've never heard a person yet that smokes. And, you know, we were around people smoking all our lives when mm-hmm. we were kids. And I don't ever recall Dad or Mom going, man, that was the best puff I ever had. Right. You know? I mean, it, it. look, they were doing it because they were relieving the smoking. You know, it really didn't do the thing. So this is the hard look, the hard look at it. And my prayer is that we would look at this hard and start seeking the help. You can do this. There's hope today. There is hope today. And I encourage you to look at some of our other materials. I have a book out called The Habit Challenge. And in there, the first part is crush, you know, changing our habits. The second part is crushing our cravings. And I think a lot of the stuff I'm talking on these podcasts is in there. So it'll be a good review. And plus there's more. So Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ron. This has been a fascinating uh, read here. And, and this has been a fascinating series. And 
I'm sure many of the listeners are just spellbound to what's going on here because uh, so many are gripped in addictions. And there is help. There is hope. Uh, you can find a lot of resources at empowerforliving.com. A lot of resources. There's a category called resources. Click on it. Look and see what's there. Uh, there's a free book on triggers that has a lot of this material. And you can get that by simply going to empowerforliving.com forward slash trigger, singular, trigger. And uh, go to the YouTube page. Tons of teaching and classes there available. And just simply go to YouTube, go to the search bar, put Mr. Change Agent. You'll see Ron's picture come up. Uh, click on that, and it's going to take you right there. And uh, you go to Amazon, and just to go to Amazon and uh, type in Ronald, Ronald Ovid, and you'll see a whole bunch of his books come up on Amazon, and uh, you can get those uh, in Kindle and Amazon uh, today. So thanks for joining us uh, on this podcast. Uh, we have plenty more. We'll see you all the time, I trust. Tell your friends about it. So again, you've been listening to Mr. Change Agent with your host, Ron Ovid.